Aqualads and Aqua Glasses. Welcome back into the Aqua Cave podcast feed. Uh, you know who I am. My name is Johnny C. And let us see what bright idea I've come up with today. So, fans, I think today's experiment is unquestionably one of the most ludicrous things we've ever thought of. But at the same time, I think it's a nice insight into the mindset of recently ousted chairman of the World Wrestling Federation, uh, Mr. Vincent Kennedy McMahon, because uh, what we're going to be talking about today is uh, something that happened way back when, uh, in 1996, ironically enough, the year I got back into wrestling after a one-year hiatus due to the birth and creation of Big Daddy Cool himself. So what we are going to talk about today is a more unique character in the annals of the World Wrestling Federation, and that character is none other than who? No, that's it. it it's who? Who? Yeah, who? Wait, what? Wait, where? Now? Who? What? Oh my god, fans. Get used to hearing it. It's going to happen. No, seriously. So what I want to do today is I was listening to a podcast, some other show and what have you, and someone said something funny about Jim the Anvil Nightheart, and I was like, yeah, he does suck. And then I started thinking about who? The masked alter ego of Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Now, who was a character that was created in 1996 when we needed jobbers that had some sort of name value? Think Freddie Joe Floyd, Alex the Pug Porto, the goon. Ironically enough, how come those guys never came back in the Attitude Era and formed like the four horsemen of the jobber apocalypse? That could have been a pretty cool stable. Yeah, you got goon, Pug Porto, Freddie Joe Floyd, and T.L. Hopper, I guess would be the fourth one. Uh, unless there's one I'm forgetting. Uh, yeah, so we got four horsemen of the job apocalypse. Maybe that's a multiverse of fabulous episode you could listen to on the North South Connection Podcast Network. But then again, maybe not. Sorry there, I got a little sidetracked. But so Nightheart was who? He was a a, a masked wrestler that wore yellow trunks uh, and a yellow and red like luchador style wrestling character mask. I don't really know what else to call it. Um, and he had his, his big tum-tum was hanging out and his goatee was poofy and very visible, if you know to look for it, underneath the mask in the chin area. I mean, obviously, it's just hilarious because it's all stuffed in there. And it's got to be, you know, painful, in my opinion. But uh, And I don't really know. There's been lots of uh, shit said over the years. Uh, I think famously, it's supposed to be like some sort of rib on Hulk Hogan because he's got the red and the yellow. And I guess who is like maybe a reference to oof. Or perhaps a reference to, oh, who you talk about? Do you talk about Hulk Hogan? If you're not talking about Hulk Hogan when Hulk Hogan walks through me, you should probably start talking about Hulk Hogan. I don't really know if that's what the gimmick is. but And, you know, that's not even why we're here. I'm sure there are more talented podcast journalists out there that can reveal those truths to you. <laughs> what I'm here to do today is watch the Who chronology. And, and I did just that. Um, thank God. For these like wrestling internet database sites or what have you, where they list every single match that a person participated in, and, and you know what I did was I, I saw, started seeking out whose matches. We've got five matches, so this character appeared on five different shows in the summer of 1996 and wrestled five matches and then disappeared until they would return for the Heart Foundation. Um, and, and you know I, I just 
I don't really understand why this character was relevant. I mean, I guess I said, you know, name jobberific stuff, but anywho, here's what oh, I, I said it. Well, you know, you should probably start keeping count. And in that vein, all right, here's what I did. I watched the five Who matches. And special shout out to the person on YouTube that actually has a Who match playlist. You are a saint. Um, so I watched the five matches, and I'm going to briefly recap some of the high points of the match, but that's not really why we are here. What I've done is each match was assigned a very specific scenario. For example, let's get right into our first match. It uh, was filmed on June 25th, and it aired July 6th on WWF Superstars, and it was indeed the masked man known only as Who, taking on Savio, Savio Vega. And I started watching this thing, and I was going to like take notes and talk about like how shitty the wrestling was, but I started to notice that they were unquestionably saying the word who quite a bit, and I was quite annoyed and ashamed to admit quite entertained as well. So I thought to myself, Jesus, how, how many times did they say who? And then I started notice repetition of other words. And so what I've done is combined everyone's favorite hobby, uh, stat-taking, numbers, math, percentages, all that fun shit. And uh, I've created, I guess, a, a research project on who. So what I've done for this first match is I've got the words who, what, Sario, Sario Vega, and whom, because uh, Vince McMahon has a little shtick where he tries to figure out if who should be named who or whom, and I've decided to give you all a count of not only how many times those words are used on commentary, but give you ratios and percentages in regards to how they uh, size up with the length of the match. It's ridiculous, and they should be ashamed of themselves for doing something so ludicrous on commentary, and I should be ashamed of myself because, again, I will admit, I kind of love it. So... Uh, I suppose you could say that we are ready to get started with this uh, who experiment. All right, so as mentioned, it's July 6th, you're a couple days after, uh, you know, still recovering from Independence Day weekend. And you put on superstars to watch some of the greatest com competition that the World Wrestling Federation uh, can have to offer. And you see a shirtless Jim Neidhart, so no singlet to protect you from the hairy view. And, you know, like I said, he's got this mask on, uh, and he, he's billed as, uh, from who knows where, uh, Wayne who knows what. Okay? And, and he's got a real creepy theme song. Like, you only catch, like, a snippet of it because the match is joined in progress and who is already in the ring. It's like a ticking clock with sort of like a bedtime song, like, do, 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 do. I don't know, that doesn't do it justice at all. And there's like an owl hooting in the background, like to give it the, a nighttime, like, who, who. I don't understand what that is supposed to mean. But it's here, and, and like I said, it, it's it's interesting. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, Vince McMahon lets us know that his uh, competition is on the way. Stop, stop. All right, Savio Vega. All right, get down, get funky. Here we are. And it's just, it's so typical. And this is what inspired the, the counting thing because I was like, 
I, I was watching this match, and within 30 seconds, you could tell they're doing a who shtick. Like, they're trying to purposely say it as much as possible and make it sound ridiculous to the point where it, it comes off as completely scripted by Vince McMahon, and you can hear Mr. Perfect and Jim Ross, like, performing the lines that are scripted. I could absolutely see that being the case because it's superstars, and all this stuff is done in post. So it, it wouldn't be unprecedented, if you will, Okay. Uh, so, I, yeah, I was like, all right, he said, Samuel Vega. And, and that's why I decided to include for variants also, because, you know, when Vinny is on commentary, sometimes you get, Samuel Vega, all right. And other times you get, Samuel, I think has been famously explained. And, and so I wanted to account for that variant as well. And I also wanted to know, like I said, what, and of course, who. And I, I learned some other words along the way that I also took note of, Okay. But if you want to understand and talk about just basic mass structure, it's like a basic not squash but squash match, you know, because it goes for 6 minutes and 27 seconds for the entire presentation. I guess that includes entrances and what have you. But um, Vince makes fun of who's unique wrestling attire. And Mr. Perfect's like, what well, didn't you hear? He has an endorsement deal with Fruit of the Loom. And Vince is like, uh, for the loom, I wasn't, wasn't aware they gave out uh, wrestling endorsements. Unquestionably, probably the only uh, superstar here in the World Wrestling Federation to ever receive an endorsement uh, before his first match, Mr. Perfect. And, and it's it, they're doing this because it's a hilarious uh, thing that I failed to realize until I was watched it like a second time. Uh, Jim the Evil Nightheart, the person's like underwear, is hanging out underneath his yellow Who wrestling trunks. It's like he's got XXL briefs, uh, you know, the tidy whities and he's got XL trunks on top. And, folks, uh, math is math. You cannot defeat it. It wins every time. Uh, Savio gets the victory by ramming who into the corner and then pinning him with a schoolboy. <laughs> what? Like, they couldn't let Savio Vega just get an easy, decisive victory over who. They kind of keep... Got to keep who a little strong to give this banana peel slip victory to Savio. Oh, well. Let's uh, let's go to the scorecard. So, the phrase Minnesota-type situation was uttered one time on commentary. It doesn't really give a good mathematical ratio, but I thought it was pretty funny. Vince's who versus whom shtick wasn't as long as I thought, so I only got three utterances of whom. Now, during the match... Uh, Jim Ross attempts to promote the upcoming Attitude Adjustment Tour. You see how I said that? Of course, JR says Attitude Adjustment Tour. Like, I tur the toilet paper and I wipe my urse. I wipe, no, I wipe the turds with the toilet paper. Okay? That's how he says it. He says it four times, which I thought was enough to mention. Uh, in terms of our, our main event words, what was uttered nine times... For a ratio, given that, like I said, it was a 6 minute and 27 presentation of 1.4 watts per minute. So if you watch this match, you're going to hear what that frequently. Now, ironically, uh, what shares the throne at third place with Savio? Because Savio, again, uttered nine times for the same ratio. I was desperately comparing my notes like, oh shit, this better match because it's the same count because I didn't realize it when I did the math. Uh, you know, because I'm, uh, I'm a very intense podcast journalist. I just get distracted with, uh, with the facts. Numbers don't mean anything to me. Shit, that doesn't add up. All right, moving on. Savio Omega, all right. So, and that should tell you something too, all right? 
because that means that this means that Vince McMahon is more likely to yell, Sammy Omega, all right. Or, well, I guess all right's not a part of it, but he's more likely to say his full name as opposed to just Sario. And trust me, I know the difference. I didn't count Savio. Well, I guess it would be more. But I didn't just count Savio every time he said Savio Vega. Those are independent Savios. Is anyone doing the count for how many times I can say it on this show? But Savio Vega received 16 utterances for a ratio of 2.55 Savio Vegas per minute. <laughs> Unbelievable. I suppose anything can be said in the World Wrestling Federation. Now, of course... There was never any doubt. The gold medal winner, first place, the most uttered word in the entire segment, unquestionably. The ratio is just mind-boggling. I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh over this. Who, the word, was said an astonishing 64 times for an average of 10.2 who's per minute. (laughs) As you can see, I mean, like, you really have to work to say it that many times. Like, you really have to go for it. And I feel like they have succeeded in space because they also have to do things. Like, I wish I had the ratio of times when they weren't even talking about the match because they hyped the upcoming World Wrestling Federation magazine, which features an interview with Mr. Perfect. And, of course, JR, was. I told you about that tour. He lists off, like, seven great cities here all across America, like Bangor, Maine, and Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, or Tulsa, Oklahoma. Excuse my fans. I'm, 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 it's been a long day. It's 1996, and I'm head of talent relations. Things are a little saucy here in the World Wrestling Federation. But, yeah, it's just... It's unbelievable. And I, I'm not trying to steal... Or, well, I guess I am trying to steal that. But it's just... It's truly fantastic. Like, And, of course, this goes to show that if this sort of Vince McMahon humor type stuff isn't working for you, this is why WCW is is the, the, the winner for this time period. Okay? I mean, and, of course, put this in context. If you really want to get serious about it and you look at it from a business perspective, I know it's the... Uh, the weekend show in syndication still. We aren't, we're not on USA yet. But this is the type of shit you're doing. And uh, holy shit, is this? Fans, I, I, I'm not trying to stall or anything like that. Uh, well, maybe I am. I, I'm wondering if this is the day of Bash of the Beach. Uh, 96. Of Obviously, the formation of the NWO. Uh, and uh, talking and typing is hard. You're all yelling, it is, or it isn't. Oh my, no, this is the day before. No, wait, yes, day before. Son of a bitch. Well, wrestling fans, it it might not be the exact date, but this does prove the point that here's Vince doing, who, uh, excuse me, uh, who is the number one wrestling promotion in the country, Jim Ross. I don't know, Vince, but sure as fuck ain't us. Uh, You know, I mean, this is it. They've done proving the point. Uh, by doing this the day before the formation of the New World Order. Now, who does not appear again until August 3rd, 1996, and it is an episode of Superstars, and he's going up against uh, Mark Marrow, the uh, the wild man, if you will. Now, this one is a little bit different. It's a little bit shorter. It's 5 minutes and 18 seconds long. Okay, and the way the match basically kind of lays out is who we start with who in the ring, and unfortunately, there's just no music. And I was really disappointed because I wanted to try to understand more and present more details about the creepiness and like the vibe it was going for, but alas, I got nothing. 
And, and then, of course, uh, we're greeted by Wildman Mark Merrill. <laughs> Get used to that one. Uh, and he's coming down with the classy Sable, as Vince McMahon calls her. He also calls them, and I, and I remember this, and I remember being embarrassed to watch the television program. He would say, here they come, the WWF's one-two punch, Mark Merrill and Sable. Like, it's just so fucking cheesy. I can't even do it. Um... When the, during the match, they, they obviously do their thing. We'll get into it, all right? They do more who gimmicks. Uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, baseball. They go all in with the who's on, etc., etc. At one point, uh, Vince is trying desperately to let us know that he's actually talking about who the person, and he's like, no, who gets paid when they win the match? You know, like, are you talking about who, or are you saying who gets paid, the person? And Mr. Perfect says, well, who gets paid every penny sometimes after his match, and sometimes his wife gets paid. So we know that there is a Mrs. Who out there, and I think that's important to know that this man doesn't go home alone each night. That's, that's all we could ask for, right? This week, who has black undies on underneath his trunks? <laughs> Come on, man, just get this guy a bigger pair of trunks. Uh, during the match to hype SummerSlam, which I kind of wish was one of the words I kept count of, uh, a gold dust usher comes down to mess with uh, Sable, trying to give her an invitation to some sort of uh, eyes wide shut type ball, I'm sure. Uh, and we hype the Raw Invitational Battle Royal, which is, I think, uh, thanks to the, listening to the Wrestling Warzone, I can recall is the one where Ahmed Johnson wins the Battle Royal uh, with a busted-ass kidney. And then, of course, gets uh, pulled from shows and doesn't go on to face Shawn Michaels for the WWF title or take the Intercontinental title to WrestleMania 13 for champion versus champion, title versus title, when the new dudes with attitudes explode, coming again, coming soon somewhere, somehow, some podcast way. Um, and uh, Mark Merrow does win with the Stone Cold Steve Austin lip-killing uh, flip pin thing from the King of the Ring that he used to bust open... Um, the king himself, and uh, then tears up the invite from the usher at the end. So all of you folks who are desperate for 1996 storyline information, there you go. Unfortunately, we don't learn anything about the masked man who, Jim Ross. And of course, yeah, I probably should put over it's Jim Ross and Mr. Perfect and events, of course, on commentary. So during this match, I tried to account for all possible variants a visit man saying, oh, the wild man, wild man Mark Merrow. So what I've done is I took account of just the phrase Mark Merrow, okay? I took note of the phrase wild man and the full-blown <laughs> wild man Mark Merrow, it's, which is ridiculous <laughs> that he has that many variants of saying the guy's name. But I guess, you know, part of good commentary, I suppose, is not saying the same thing over and over again. So I get it, and I know that... Vince, I'm sure, fucking read a book about how to, you know, talk to a microphone, and he lived by that book until the day that he, his commentary died. All right. So we've got those three variants to account for. We've got Sable, because I thought for sure there'd be a lot of Sable talk. So Sable clocks in at five, and the math was not done on that one. Uh, Mark Marrow, all right, which is hilarious because that's the middle ground, all right? You're either going, wild man, or, or wild man Mark Merrow. So the middle ground, Mark Merrow, only chimed in at two. Not as many utterances as I thought, so I didn't even do the math on it. Now what clocked in at six this go-around? Not too shabby. There is a catch-all category that I kept for 
any baseball-related term, like second, third, shortstop, pitcher, etc., there were nine baseball terms uttered in this 5-minute and 18-second match for a ratio of 1.73 baseball words uh, per minute. Uh, up next, unfortunately, uh, it did go the opposite way that I wanted. Up next, we've got Wildman Mark Merrow, which I wanted to be the one that he said the most because it's the most effort and the most work. Uh, he only uttered this full four-word phrase 10 times for a ratio of 1.93 Wildman Mark Merrows per minute. Up next, uh, taking the silver this go-around, is Wildman. The Wildman. All right, yeah, get down, get funky. <laughs> that doesn't really work for you. But Wildman was said 13 times for a ratio of 2.51 Wildmans per minute. All right. Now, before we announce our final results, I want to give a special shout-out to some of our contestants from the last rounds because Sario earned an additional mention and Savio Vega earned an additional mention when talking about the Raw Invitational Battle Royal. So, those phrases really giving who a run for their money. Now, I will say this, though, surprisingly. There was a lot of talk about Goldust and Wildman's storyline. And to put a bow on the, the match itself, Goldust does an insert promo for, that eats up about 90 seconds, maybe 60 seconds of screen time. And like I said, it's a 5-minute and 18-second match, which is about a minute shorter than our last encounter. And they really blow their wad on the who shtick early into the match. So in a massive, massive letdown compared to Week 1, who only... Can you guys hear the papers? Like, I'd do this for you. I have papers with fucking numbers written on them uh, th about this shit. Um, 24 who's down 40 exactly uh, for a ratio of only 4.63 who's per minute. Still ridiculous, uh, but I don't know if anything's going to top week one at 10.2. But the only way to find out is... Oh, I guess just to keep listening. I was like, I'm gonna, I better throw into a commercial. It's time for a commercial. Stay with us. We'll be back. All right, we're back. Now, the next stage of this project is a divergent chapter. I will warn you ahead of time. It's August 12th, and we're going to be on Monday Night Raw. It's the only match that comes us to us from something that isn't superstars, and I think that's going to play a big part in sort of how this particular match ends out ends up. But but I'll get to it. It's a 17, 17, good God, a 7 minute and 27 second segment, and it is Vince the King and a special guest, Mr. Bob Backlund, on commentary. But more importantly, it is the Godwins taking on T.L. Hopper, one of those uh, horsemen of the Jabra apocalypse we mentioned. And of course, who is his partner? All right, you can tell me. Who is his partner? No, that's what I'm saying, McMahon. Who is his partner? <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's what happens when you ad-lib. So, uh, this match, like I said, has Mr. Bob Backlund on commentary, and honestly, it's a story of what I'm calling a hijacking at 1,000 feet, or however high they are up in this arena, because Mr. Bob Backlund uh, tries to tell us that he's going to bring someone into the World Wrestling Federation to defeat uh, Shawn Michaels, because Shawn Michaels is not uh, the type of person that you want to have the younglings aspire to be. Um you know, so so, but we'll get into that. Um, 
I didn't really know what to expect, though, in terms of what words I should keep an eye out for. All right, so we'll get to that at the end, but that's that's sort of a tale of this match as well because it was kind of all over the place. We're also dealing with Ahmed Johnson's kidney. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon actually, you know, takes some of this match as well. So let's, let's just get into some numbers because Mr. Bob Backlund's segments and basically his dominating what we're talking about and just casually mentioning the ring action takes up 5 minutes and 59 seconds. And then Gorilla pops in at 6 minutes and 8 seconds and doesn't leave until 7.19. And like I said, the match ends at 7.27. So much of the real estate of this match is taken up by storyline to, you know, having to talk about that or just basically killing the time. I mean, the match is awful. Um, it doesn't surprise me that they sort of pivot to other things to keep the, sh- the flow of the show going. Um, a couple of fun things I noticed, though, is... Uh, <laughs> Vince promises T.L. Hopper that they won't touch old Betsy, which is his plunger. And I just forgot that it had a name, and it just cracks me up. And I'm wondering if Zeke the Plumber would ever tag with uh, T.L. Hopper. Uh, You guys remember Zeke the Plumber? That is a deep salute your shorts pull. So I guess if you don't remember it, good for you. You're not insane like I am. Um, what else happens? Oh, Bob Backlund, you know, like I said, he talks about he wants to bring in someone to dethrone Shawn Michaels. And he's like, what do you say? What do you say, Shawn Michaels? And Vince gives such a Vince answer. He's like, well, I, I see that uh, Shawn Michaels represents charisma and pure athleticism. <laughs> Stuff like that. Uh, eventually, Bob Backlund freaks out talking about how uh, he wants to promote abstinence as opposed to condominiums to promote to prevent sexual diseases. I just won't make any comments. Uh, it's it's like it's like they caught Bob in the back, like rambling to like a box or something about his political beliefs one time. And Vince was like, "Hey, Bob, just just go on out there and, and tell us what it is you really think about stuff." <laughs> and that's the desired uh, character that Vince gets from him. Um, but yeah, th- like I said, th- the who actually takes the fall with the slop drop. So not only does he lose every match he's in, spoiler alert, but he's responsible for the fall in this one. All right, so let's get into some mathematic evaluation. So a couple of things that I was looking for was I was looking and hoping that we would get Vince doing the pig call, the all right, sewer, or something like that. But alas, we got nothing. We've got Backland uttering the phrase plebeians only twice, only two mentions of slop, only two mentions of feces, anything feces related, since T.L. Hopper was out there. I wanted to take note of that. Arkansas only said once. They didn't mention baseball again, and that thing is officially dead, by the way. Never gets mentioned again. Uh, (laughs) I was really pulling for Vince to say, Hank, but alas, there was nothing. We did get three what's at the very beginning, okay? And I didn't take the percentage there. But that's sort of the story of this thing, is that anything that they're going to say, they just say sporadically, and only actually when it's necessary for the match. It's like... Uh, who now with a big boot it's not any shtick um but i knew that who would have a a a nemesis in this match because backland was going to be out here so i tried to anticipate and account for how many times mister would be said now mister gets said nine times which averages being said 1.23 times per minute and folks that is going to allow mister to take the gold Unbelievable! Anything can happen in the WWF, I suppose. Because who only gets said eight times for a 
disastrous 1.1 times per minute, and it doesn't even win this match. And I am floored and flabbergasted. And it just goes to show you uh, that something like this, you know, just breaks your heart. These these guys, they come in, they sign these lucrative, these non-lucrative jobber contracts, and they think they're going to hit the big time. And, and pretty soon, Vince McMahon's only saying their names, their name, their names, their name eight times on commentary. But folks, as down as we are now, let's go to the next show because folks, business is about to pick up. It is August 17th. It's the superstars of wrestling. And folks, who going one-on-one with The Undertaker? He must he must have crossed Teddy Long because that is indeed what is happening. I I mean, I'm blown away by the fact that not only is The Undertaker... But I, I guess I got to remember, Undertaker is not, like, special. And, well, in 1996, no, he's not special. He's showing up every week. We're, we're past that, like, uh, gen... Generation, uh, like specialty of the Undertaker. Uh, I don't know if he even had it, but the best part about this matchup is that uh, it's just a squash, and it's simply here to promote the concept of SummerSlam, which I believe is, uh, you know, that weekend. I would imagine. Yeah, it is that weekend. So. Not a whole lot to talk about in terms of match. I mean, there's absolutely fucking nothing. It's 2 minutes and 13 seconds, which means it's a good opportunity to have a much better showing than we did last time. So, there were a couple of things I knew to make note of. We've got SummerSlam getting mentioned three times, which is only .46 times per minute. Mankind, of course, the opponent for The Undertaker, uh, chiming in at four mentions at 1.8 per minute. But if you keep in mind, it's only two minutes long. Uh, you know, that's not too bad. Um, what was said three times, uh, 0.46, at just like SummerSlam. But the real meat and potatoes of this one is, of course, the combatants. Now, I knew that much like uh, Mark Marrow and Wildman, Wildman Mark Marrow, uh, that Vince would probably have a couple of variations of saying uh, mean Mark's name, all right? Unfortunately, I'm sad to report Phenom received zero mentions. I was happy to report back that my other guests at least got said once. The man from the dark side. But it is only one. Vince McMahon saying The Undertaker. Because it's, I, I suppose you could say, well, Johnny, that's just, the gag is that who is whose name, but it's also a ridiculous part of a skit. It's like, now you're just counting how many times you're saying the name of the person who's in there. But I'm specifically counting how many times Vince says, The Undertaker. Because he just says it in a, he just can't be like, The Undertaker now, uh, walking the ropes. It, the Undertaker. All right. So it's a fucking close one. But The Undertaker chimes in at 10 mentions. 4.69 The Undertakers per minute. But taking back the gold is who? At 11 mentions at 5.16 who's per minute. But when you consider it's a two-minute segment, I mean, that's a whole lot of who, in my opinion. And folks, the numbers don't lie. Uh, when the numbers get higher on your own age, for example, you will die. And so will who? And we, we come, sadly, to the date of whose death, August 24th, 1996, for an episode of Superstars, right after SummerSlam. It's a three minute and 31 second encounter with Jake the Snake Roberts. Folks, 
Pay attention because it is heroes of wrestling come early. Three years before they would clash on that boat, on that casino boat, for the Heroes of Wrestling Spectacular and had to be rescued by Yokozuna and King Kong Bundy, it is indeed the Heroes of Wrestling, Jim the Anvil Nightheart taking on Jake the Snake. Now, this match pretty much exists to get over the fact that Jake the Snake is either playing a depressed man or is actually a drunk man. It's post-SummerSlam, uh, so they're, they're playing up Jake being humiliated by Lawler. It's Kevin Kelly and Mr. Perfect on the call. And folks, it is his death appearance, so it's fitting that we got back the creepy theme music because it is back. And I'm happy to report it's definitely like a creepy music box, like singing you to sleep, whoo, that we're getting here. Uh, now, I'm not saying it, it gels with the character or even makes any sense. I'm just happy to report back that what I reported back in the opening match is indeed accurate. So, hilariously enough, who actually dominates this match and only loses at the last minute, but I will explain that. But I have to tell you that at one point, who is described by legendary commentator Kevin Kelly, whose commentator I actually do kind of really like. Uh, I've come around on that quite a bit since I was a kid. But this some of his early years are good stuff. Uh, he calls who a burly man, but it comes across because of the shitty audio quality on YouTube as girly man. Like, oh, he's a girly man. <laughs> and while that gag's not really that funny, it kind of made me laugh. Um, he, he also lets us know with his serious voice that, well, Jake the Snake's family and, and small children were present at SummerSlam and witnessed what happened. <laughs> I just love the way he pivots to and small children. I feel like that's something you could add to any sentence and it would be, sound horrendous even if you're not talking about something bad. <laughs> Test out that theory at your local community sometime this week and report back, I suppose. But the match ends when who... Dives forward like a madman, trying to tackle Jake the Snake and knock him down. Um, but Jake kind of falls out of the way, maybe stumbling because of drunkenness. I don't know, because at one point they do botch a, uh, what's it called? A snapmare. So, looked a little dangerous there. Uh, but Jake suddenly hits a random, not a random, he hits a, a, a DDT out of nowhere, I guess you'd call it, and gets the one, two, three, and in a hilarious moment, struggles to, to hook the leg and finally gets it hooked after the three count. <laughs> yeah, that just left a smile on my face. And so, who, we hardly knew ye, he leaves the world the same way he entered it, with a drunk, sweaty man laying on top of him. Let's live by the numbers. So, you know, it's post-SummerSlam, and we're obviously putting over all the terrible things that happened to Jake the Snake Roberts. I didn't count Jake, the times he said Jake because, you know, that's just the opponent. I wanted to kind of stick with tracking stuff that they would say for obvious purposes. So I've got SummerSlam at five mentions, and that's 1.51, uh, you know, 1.51 SummerSlams per minute, I suppose. You've got... The King being said six times at 1.8 per minute, per, per minute, excuse me. And then he maintains the crown, fitting. He t he came into the world a king and dies a king, uh, winning the round at seven mentions. So just one more than the actual king himself for 2.1 who's per minute. Now, as I'm ready to also put the death nail on this conversation, I want to just briefly summarize the story, and much like they do with the Royal Rumble, let's just live and die by the numbers. Uh, we started strong with 10.2 who's per minute, went down to 4.63, 
and then we experienced the extreme variance due to the ridiculous circumstances involving a Mr. Bob Backlund at 1.1. We rebounded, though, and came back strong at 5.16, which in a two-minute match is a whole lot of who that you're getting inundated with uh, in between commercials. All right? And then, you know, we sort of hit the death knell at 2.1 and petered out there at the end. Now, here's the thing, though. This is a perfect representation of, like, Vince's attention span when it comes to, like, doing something goofy and stupid like this. Like, oh, yeah, I really enjoyed doing that who thing. And it suddenly becomes, yeah, it was more fun the first time we did it. (laughs) So, I mean, it just is the way that it is. He must have gotten it out of his system. Whatever he was pissed off at, if it is indeed Hulk Hogan, I don't know. Uh, But, you know... They gave up on it and said, let's just stick with these other jobbers. We got the Pugs and the TL Hoppers and the Goon. I guess they were at least easier to look at. But, you know, I want to bring you the final word, as I'd mentioned. The word who exists in the life of this project and in the life of who himself, 114 who's. All right. The entire lifespan of who was 24 minutes and 56 seconds for a grand total and final average of 4.64 who's per minute, but definitely giving another viewpoint and a strong way to go out on this thing. There are five who matches, which means every time you sit down to see the hooster, you are going to hear the word on average 22.8 times per match. Who loves you guys? Because you remember to like and subscribe to the Aqua Cave podcast feed. Yeah, I said it. It needed to be said. But no, I do appreciate you guys subscribe. Um, you know, that way you get notified whenever new content comes out. That is going to, of course, you know, destroy the Who conversation. Uh, diamonds are forever, but indeed, Who is not. Well, no, I mean, who is not? I really need to know. Give me the question. All right. Until next time, folks, I know who I am, and I know who you are. I'm Johnny C, and a winner is you.